0: Right. You've got to to say, I'm serious about my idea for you to take it seriously. Like, I've got to put something in the game, some skin in the game. Like, the number of times that I went out over the last... Well, actually, really, since I left Reebok and tried to, like, just get a prototype of a shoe done from a factory that I had an idea for and spent money out of my pocket to do it. But it was like, because I... it was worth pursuing and finally it like hit with flux where we went okay it's not just and and the big thing for me was it's not just me because i know that i had tried that bit before and i knew that i couldn't do it by myself
1: Welcome to the Zero Quit Podcast, where we bring you inside the minds of elite athletes, business owners, specialists, and other creatives. I'm your host, Brock Covington, and through these conversations, you'll hear practical advice and effective strategies for optimizing not only your performance, but also your habits and routines as well. If you enjoy the show, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. What's going on, guys? Welcome to today's podcast. After a whole uh, tire repair (laughs) and more later, um, we finally get the podcast rolling. I'm or fortunate to have... Uh, this podcast is done in person with Mr. Zach Frey. He is a footwear designer and entrepreneur based in Denver, Colorado. He's designed for brands such as Puma, Reebok, in addition to launching his own company, Flux Footwear, in 2020. What's going on, man?
0: What's up? Thanks for like, having me.
1: Of course. I feel like it was a a wild way to kind of get to know each other, but almost it's like the most natural, authentic way is, uh, you know, I pull up, driving through some snow, and then, you know, for the first time in my life, have a uh, – hold my tire and then luckily the spot down the way got it patched up and um now we're here
0: yeah that, was a, here. that was a big hole too
1: yeah well it was a uh, you know i wish i could maybe i can pop a picture on the screen <laughs> or something like that it was it wasn't just a uh, a nail it was like this curved almost like carabiner piece of metal anyway got real lucky about that but uh anyway happy to have you on and and talk about flux footwear and then also just kind of all the things that you're doing so how did you get involved in the first place with interest in shoes and graphic design. Cause obviously, or not obviously, but you've worked with, um, multiple footwear brands, but also you do some graphic design. I don't know if you still currently do it, but you definitely did in the past from my understanding. So how'd you kind of get into the creative side of things and graphic design and sp- specifically with footwear? Uh,
0: yeah, I, I remember I went through sort of like drawing obsessions as a kid. Um, my parents always had me in like drawing classes that was like kind of the thing that i really enjoyed doing as a kid um and so i remember when i was probably 12 if anybody remembers the the nike mercurial vapor soccer shoe i was playing soccer and this shoe came out and it was like they got me they got me with all of the marketing lingo (laughs) the materials the color you have to find a picture of this because it was like this iridescent brown and nobody was making brown soccer shoes um And it, and just the spikes on this thing, everything about that shoe was awesome. And so that was, it like sparked this, this moment of real joy for me to like sit down and draw soccer shoes. And I, I don't know what it was, but I just, I kind of just kept drawing shoes. And then um, when I- So
1: were shoes like the origin of just your kind of creative design in general? It was kind of like intertwined from the start? <sighs> or did you have interest in designing i don't know logos other branding stuff sure. other creativity yeah
0: i would i before drawing shoes my other objects of interest were like i was into drawing watches i was into yeah. drawing cars it was like whatever the thing that a little kid might have an interest yeah. in for however long <laughs> kind of um, reminds me of you seen super bad uh
1: yes you know the scene I'm talking about where he's just drawing dicks oh the, time, yeah, <laughs> yes, the lunch yes. Box. Yeah. yes that's yes. what I'm visualizing with <laughs> yeah, shoes basically and I would yeah.
0: and I would at school I would draw I would spend my time in math class I remember distinctly my freshman year of high school drawing soccer jerseys yeah. that was what it yeah. was um and I was like designing kits and my math teacher was like, dude, you're not doing well in this class. Why are you trying <laughs> yeah. right now? Um, but it was like that was that was the way I don't know. I, I honestly I, I, I wish that I had found something maybe more like, I don't know, helpful to the world yeah. to like fascinate myself yeah. with. But, I, you know, maybe we'll get into it. Hopefully we're finding ways to do that um, and, and take this like really obscure obsession and maybe turn it into something useful for people. Yeah.
1: Well, let's dive into it. So with, with flux specifically, I want to ask first where the name came from. Cause the first thing that came to mind was flux capacitor from back to the future. And that's it. No, it's not, oh, not it. Man. No, but that also, um, yes, the logo almost looks like, I you
0: know, I kind of want to have a shoe called the flux capacitor. Uh, um, no. So actually the, the name flux was there before I came on, um, okay. Isaac and Ben, um, the original two co-founders had started another company that was doing um corporate health and wellness um vo2 max testing and they were like hey why don't we do shoes that sounds like an interesting mm-hmm. thing to try out um so they actually they found me and and i freelanced for them initially um but the i, I believe flux comes from there's a a book that's called oh jeez i've got it somewhere the inevitable i see it right there
1: well you know the other thing i wrote down that i've heard flux incorporated before is uh from a pre-socratic philosopher heraclitus would talk about flux That things are like always in flux life is always in flux and oh, change is that it? Go, ahead, it go ahead grab it go ahead grab it all right i think we've got the book now
0: yeah this is okay so this is the uh, this book is called the inevitable and it's like all the you know tech stuff that's going to happen in the next whatever 10 20 years yeah um and he says uh, every kind of thing is becoming something else. While it turns from might to is, all is flux. Mm-hmm. Um, the engines of flux are now more important than products. So, like, it's this idea that, yeah. and here we are making a product, but the idea is that
1: constant innovation.
0: Yeah, like what, the what the tools that we have are at our disposal uh, at our disposal yeah. today are so much greater than they were even 10 years ago, even two months ago, like we've got chat GPT now yeah, yeah. and like, Scary. <laughs> so yeah, like we have our products, but we're also yeah. having to figure out how to innovate to, to keep to ahead. Yeah. Um, you know, beyond just that. Um, so there okay. you go. Flux. So they, but yeah, flux. life is in flux. And I think like the, the, <laughs> I'm getting excited. Uh, the, <clears throat> I think like the core ethos for our brand, is that like idea of constant self improvement? Yeah, and we're finding that that's like that resonates with our audience, and like the product is sort of an embodiment of that. It's like what something we're calling um, effortless biohacking. Yeah. This idea that you can like just make really easy changes in your life, like efficient changes mm-hmm. that have really massive effects on your well being.
1: Yeah, and I, you know. It, nothing can be, you know, to tie into that, nothing can be stationary, right? Our health isn't stationary. So I think you do need to constantly be thinking about how can we leverage technology to improve our health? How can, you know, on a basic level, even, you know, shoe wear, footwear, how can we leverage this to improve our life and to improve our health and improve how our body moves and shapes and things like that? So that makes perfect sense. With the origins of that, so you, so you come on, I guess, a little bit later, but at that point, had they developed any shoes yet, or were you kind of brought on to help develop the shoes?
0: Uh, yes and no. So this okay. is the interesting thing, and this is how I knew that these guys were serious: is that yeah. they had they had gone to China and they had um, Met with actually produced. Factories. Well, so so I don't know if you're familiar with a shoe called the Feiyu. Um, it's like so, a yeah. it's it's a Chinese or French, depending on. They, there's actually two different versions of it one's made in China and one I think is made in France or it's owned by a French company but they it's like a martial arts shoe Hmm. Um, and actually I had a friend once walk into my house while I was testing them out and she goes she's from China she's like why do you have those shoes those are like poor people's shoes those are like (laughs) nobody has those are not cool shoes and I was like uh Well, they thought they were cool enough to take this <laughs> shoe and they are. You'll see them on, on yeah. people who, you know, they're it's like a $40 shoe. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, and it's a good shoe that people are using for martial arts. And they said, well, why don't we just like rebrand it and put our logo on it and make it our thing. And I was like, so they, they bought like, I think 500 pairs of shoes or something mm-hmm. and we're selling them to their friends and they probably have still have them in a bag somewhere. Um, and I looked at it and I was like, well, this is cool guys, but we've got to, if you want to be taken seriously as a shoe brand, we've got to innovate yeah. ourselves. Like we can't just like,
1: well, that happens a lot with um. I, my wife was just showing me another influence on Instagram. That's basically just slapping her logo on a pair of leggings and it happens a lot with uh hat. are you familiar with melon that brand? Yes. Yeah. So there's so many brands you can go on Alibaba right now and type in like melon hat and slap your logo on. It's the same look, same design, whatever. Um, and, and, you know, obviously people are doing it with shoes, people are doing it with the shirts, shorts, everything like that. And so all it kind of takes is like, yeah, one brand to do something that's successful or successful. And then people just want to take it, but it's, it's good that you kind of point out like, Hey, we kind of need to carve our own path into this.
0: Yeah. I like, I think there's a time and place for saying, Hey, this is a good design and like, let's, let's, you know, whatever. If, if, if it's, if If that's not what your thing is, right. Okay. Like if your thing isn't being a legging wear company, but your brand is like, oh, my people might want my my logo on yeah. these pants, fine. Like, mm-hmm. great, it's out there. But if you want to be taken seriously as like, if you want to do something meaningful in an industry, you yeah. have to innovate. And I think that's where we looked at, you know, w- what we were doing with Flux. And when I came in, as a freelancer, I was like, guys, like there's, there's major opportunity here. And sort of back to part of my story was when I was in college, I started getting interested. This is like 10 years ago, me and my roommate tried to start a barefoot Mm -hmm. casual footwear company. We didn't have the skills, the resources, or, or, you know, the, the industry understanding to do anything with it at the time. But like all of a sudden it sparked for me, something that had been latent for years that was we can do better Mm -hmm. our shoes can be better they can move better with our feet and we don't and they don't need to look weird or out there which is uh, one of the major issues that people face in in our industry is Mm -hmm. like customers want a shoe that looks good that looks fashionable but that's also really good for their feet and those two things don't need to be exclusive
1: yeah yeah no that makes complete sense and i guess when you're when you're doing that as you're kind of getting started with this how did you begin to leverage that experience and i guess you can kind of walk us back to how did you get working with with puma reebok wolf and shepherd these different companies you've worked with how did you get involved with them from the first place how did you go from drawing i guess to actually working with these companies and then you could maybe wind in that that experience to how you approach designing for flux.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm going to try and be as concise as possible. (laughs) Um, I studied design in college. I, I really was originally very curious about um, studying industrial design, which is what most of my contemporaries in footwear design Mm -hmm. went through. Um, But, I just didn't have peace about any of the schools that I was looking at to do that at. Um, And so I ended up at a small liberal arts college um, north of Boston and studied basically art and graphic design, um, which it was kind of a broad degree um, and it was a liberal arts college. So you're learning not just like how to be a really proficient designer, but you're also learning how to think um about things more broadly which i think has probably helped a lot in kind yeah. of like who i've become as a as a um as an entrepreneur um and that was one of the things early on that that people said as i was looking at some of these art schools um one guy in particular who i was i was going to play soccer at this art school and i was i thought that's what i was going to do and he was like, dude, after I spent like the weekend there, he goes, if you want to do something other than just be an artist,
1: mm-hmm.
0: like, I don't think this school's for you. Because um, I was probably going off on like all the whatever ideas I had in my head at yeah. the time as a senior in high school. And he could see like, dude, you need something broader than this. Um, and so and in kind of a weird turn of events i just like totally like wrote off i'm never going to design shoes cuz i mm. thought well I, this is i've just chosen a different road yeah and uh studied graphic design had a great teacher I, I learned the programs and learned like that i don't know i just had enough of a passion still for mm-hmm. like fashion or or and and sort of like physical design um and i ended up getting an internship at puma um and they just I don't know. I don't know if they just like honestly it felt like a gift. It really was a gift. Um that gave me the understanding at least to then go on and get uh, an apprenticeship at, at Reebok. They also had a really good program. Um like so very what, dedicated. So to pause program. you,
1: when you were at Puma as you kind of cuz it seemed like you were teeter-tottering on still pursuing this footwear and design, I guess, endeavor. Um, and then when you, when you got this opportunity at Puma after a month or two working there, was this kind of, was there like a click where you were like, this is what I, what I want to do or yeah,
0: dude, the first day I walked in there and I was like, like the, the day I went in, actually, I bombed my first interview there by yeah. the way, <laughs> because I, I was so excited. And yeah. I think I was like too eager, you know, Um, I don't know if that was, if like the people who interviewed me would say that was what, what, what ultimately why they didn't give me the first internship. Mm. But like, I I was like, holy shit, this place is amazing. There's shoes everywhere. (laughs) There's so much creativity here. The possibilities are endless. Like it was like everything inside of me lit up and, uh, so that i literally i think it was like walking in for the interview and then i like had to deal with the fact that i got rejected and then they came back and offered me <laughs> it like literally like a month or two later they're like hey you applied for this internship and i was yeah. like yeah i got rejected from it and they're like no we need to actually
1: we you actually know. did want you yeah <laughs> i ended up on a different team i had yeah. a great
0: mentor there um and it all worked out <laughs> it, it it totally all worked out and then um reebok was another one of these things where i actually found out from that that High, uh, college roommate he was like when we were trying to you know we were thinking about this company we wanted to start um he, i guess his uncle had worked at reebok because hmm. um, it's there in, in in massachusetts and um so he mentioned like hey they've got this really great program you should apply i applied got so lucky like i i was not as good as any of the people that i was apprenticing with um like there was like six of us designing uh footwear design interns Mm -hmm. or apprentices and um of that group i I, i'm pretty sure i was the only one who got hired on afterwards and it wasn't because i was a a great designer or had all of the like technical proficiencies i just worked my ass off and really wanted it yeah um still looking back i don't i don't know if i have words for why i wanted it so bad but um it just lit me up um and still does like it's that's. well that'll carry people a lot
1: further i mean some people have talent and excitement but if things don't go their way or they struggle or you know they may not be as as eager to work with the team or this or that then you know they're going to fall more flat versus someone who's just so passionate passion is going to beat talent you know nine times out of ten i feel like as long as there's some talent to go with it,
0: you can learn you can learn these things and like that's what i did i mean when i was at reebok and one of the things that has served me so well since then is like i spent my time down in the sample room with the guys who were like cutting the patterns Mm -hmm. who were who had been there for like 40 years in their career Mm -hmm. and had been with Reebok since, you know, literally for 40 years. And they were like, yeah, this is how you do this. That's why that can't work. Like I would walk, I would like get super granular about like any idea that I had and pull anything I could out of them because It it was just so fascinating Well, the funny thing, too,
1: about those people is uh, that have been in doing anything, you know, the same goes for my experience with gym, you know, uh, ownership and things like that. But the people that have done something for 30, 40 years, whatever it is, they have this intuitive knowledge that, you know, you're not going to get from a textbook. Like, you could go to a design school and learn X, Y, Z. But, you know, there's going to be these little intricacies that someone who's been doing it for 30, 40 years that can show you or teach you that they just have an eye for, right?
0: Right, right um yeah it's absolutely invaluable and i'm continue to be extremely grateful that those people were willing to spend time like Mm. out of their day to to help me but i think that's also an insight from that is just especially when you're young people are so willing to help if you're if you just ask questions um people really do want to help so just like keep your ego low. Yeah, <laughs> that like, is a good point. And like know. the worst
1: thing you know, someone could say is no, or turn you down, or ignore a DM. But that is something too. Like so much, like even with this podcast, sometimes I'm like, you know, uh, like do I have a certain following account? Like, can I ask this person? Will they will they be interested? And it's like worst thing they can do is say no. And the best scenario, you you create a, a relationship with somebody you never met before. You have an amazing conversation. You learn something new, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. it's always like. The possibility and the potential is there. And, like, you know, if you don't do anything, then you know for sure you're not, you know, nothing's going to happen from it, right? So, tying back to uh, Flux, you mentioned it a little bit earlier. You hop on with these two co founders. You know, something you mentioned was how you knew something was, like, right about them, about they were in, like, going in the right direction. Because that's something I was nervous about when opening the gym. I opened it with my wife, but I was always, you know, hesitant to consider having any other partners because it can be very tricky with business partners right you know they may be not as hard working they may have uh poor financial decisions with the business uh difficult to work with all these kinds of things so i guess walk through that process on how you knew like they were going to fit right and how you guys delegated who's going to do what and how it all meshed together in a a brief such
0: a good and timely question um i also have a lot of questions about what that that journey was like for you um and i i wonder if our if our if we've had similar experiences but um yeah so i'm trying to organize my thoughts here yeah um so I could, I think the first thing was I could see that these people were serious because they had gone out and already done something. Yeah. The number of times that I, as a freelancer, had talked to people who had never done anything just with ideas, their ideas, just talk, just yeah. ideas, yeah. right? And so you can always do something with an idea. Like minimum, minimum viable product is mm-hmm. like if you understand that concept, you can be an entrepreneur. I think like if you if you really understand that um, and are willing to take those risks to do it just to put something out there. And I'm sure that's how this podcast even started. It was yeah. probably, it, it's it's growing. Like today you yeah. have two cameras where before yeah. you're like, I only had one, right? So you're like yeah. constantly making improvements and you can't well, and, be afraid you know, of that. To
1: almost add on to that and maybe spice myself up a little bit, you have to put out something before you can expect people to perceive the value, right? So like before, like this isn't a Joe Rogan experience, but I'm going for the two cameras anyway because I have the opportunity, I'm putting forth the extra effort, you know, of, of getting these different files, exporting them, rendering them all of this or that. Uh, for the potential outcome, it's the same deal with the MVP, uh, with that minimal viable product is, you have to put forth some effort to show, you don't have to get 5,000 units of some, you know, Flux shoes to to try and get some investors, but you do need to have that initial prototype or some initial ideas and put them into practice a little bit so that other people can grasp and see that you are serious, right? Right,
0: you've got to, you've got to say, I'm serious about my idea for you to take it seriously. Yeah. Like I've got to put something in the game, some skin in the game, like the number of times that I went out over the last well, actually really since I left Reebok and tried to like just get a prototype of a shoe done from a factory that I had an idea for and spent money out of my pocket to do it. Mm -hmm. But it was like, cause I, I, it was worth pursuing. And finally it like hit with flux where we went, okay, it's not just, and, and the big thing for me was it's not just me. Cause I know that I had tried that bit before, And I knew that I couldn't do it by myself. I, I don't have the business skills to do flux and to get it where it needs to go. I'm a designer, I'm a creator. And so I got really lucky that I got aligned with some guys who, who had the skills that complemented mine. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like to that point, yeah, they, so these guys had, um, Isaac is, uh, well he had, he, he was already currently, he was running a, an Etsy business. Um, where he was making custom furniture essentially mm-hmm. and was doing really well with that. So he had business acumen, had a background in, in finance and accounting. Um, you know, and so like, I always say, it's like, it's no wonder that Phil Knight was, was had an accountant's background. Cause mm. I watch Isaac do what he does. And I'm like, damn dude, like <laughs> you, you get this. And if it wasn't you, I don't know how we could do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, sincerely. Um, and then, and Ben came in with, with more of like tech back end, getting some of our systems running. Um, and, uh, and so, and actually we, we've recently found ourselves in a situation where Ben, Ben said, Hey, I actually, I feel like I've taken the business as far as I can take it. I want to step back. Um, so we went through a whole deal there. Um, it, it, it's totally resolved. We've like you know, now, so now it's just Isaac and I. Well,
1: it's powerful to know, though, and you know, you touched on it before, like knowing where your limits are, and that's something that we had to experience. And partly why we ended up like selling the gym was, you know, okay, we were moving, but we acknowledged that we couldn't, we couldn't do this on our own. And uh, honestly, like one lesson I walked away with was I waited too long to delegate. Like we could have delegated, we had the finances to, you know, hire more people and manage it, but it was a small enough gym spot where I was like, well. I can do it all by myself. And I did that too long. And that's like the biggest lesson I learned. and something I've talked to um, with other entrepreneurs as well um, that have either successfully delegated or are currently in the process of figuring out how to delegate because they're in the same position that I was in.
0: I think it's, I think that's the make or break moment. And that's actually like, we're just now Isaac and I starting to delegate and it's, it's, I can feel the growing pains of it, but it's the only way that we go from point B to point C yeah. to D. It's a
1: difference yeah. from like startup to like flourishing business, I think.
0: Totally, yeah. totally.
1: And, and it's a way to get your life back because otherwise, you know, you are really working instead of the nine to five, you're working a five to nine, you know, and you're just totally. working constantly around the clock.
0: Right. The, the biggest change in my life over the last two years was maybe the moment that I went from running customer service myself to having yeah. a team that was running customer service. Like holy shit! <laughs> I am. I I became such a better person because yeah. it, it was. It, it's probably weighing on you. It was weighing on me yeah. constantly. Also, like when you're so close to the product as the person who designed yeah. it, and somebody's saying like, Emotional "I don't like attach. this" because of whatever, and you're like, "God, I really, I really want you to like it, right? <laughs> like, I really want you to like the thing that I poured my heart and soul yeah. into it. It's like it's yeah. so. I had to learn so much about disconnecting (laughs) from my ego around that because it it was was really, it was really taxing and also just being so splintered mentally between like putting out fires over here. Meanwhile, like trying to plan for the future of product two years down the road and too much. It's, it's a lot. It it was super insightful. I'm really glad that I did it because I learned a lot from our customers about our product. You're Mm -hmm. constantly hearing about it and it does kind of put some fire under your ass to like, to To make, make the, the product yeah. improvements um, because you feel you don't just hear about it, but you really feel like they're disappointment as something's off mm-hmm. or in whether it's the product or the 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 customer experience, the checkout process, whatever yeah, and um, so we're still learning a lot um, but yeah that that piece of delegation was massive,
1: yeah so pull things back to the shoes themselves. Let's get into the design. So we luckily, because you're the the designer himself, we got a bunch of prototypes that kind of reference things. But I guess walk me through what makes this shoe unique. What makes it different from, I don't know, like first look, you're like, okay, rubber sole, blah, blah. Maybe it looks like a van or some kind of like, you know, low top converse. What makes this shoe spectacular? Where's the innovation line?
0: For sure. For sure. So um, I think what really – change things for us. So I I mentioned earlier that like we were looking at this this other shoe that they had gone and had, you know, basically yeah. copied in China. Um and it had some properties that we really liked, like it was really low to the ground, super flexible, super grippy on the outsole, um and the insole was kind of like a little bit bouncy. Yeah. Um and but really we, we wanted to explore a bit more how to how to push that innovation further. And so I had been really interested in this idea of proprioception and biofeedback um, as far back as at least when I was working at Reebok, I worked on like a, like a passion project for like a soccer yeah. shoe that would keep your ankle from rolling and found that proprioception would be the um, actually a, a useful tool in doing that. And so, um, and essentially all that means is like giving your, your, your foot more information. Yeah. So how do you give your foot more information? Like when you're barefoot, obviously Mm -hmm. your, your foot is picking up tons of information. We have all these nerve endings on the bottom of our foot.
1: Well, I was about to say, uh, you know, where I know the word proprioception from is, uh, at this, uh, course I took in high school at, at uh, a university and that was a physical therapy and they were talking about PNF, proprioceptive neuromuscular facilitation. And so, yeah, tying into what you're saying, I'll let you take away with it, is, yeah, it's gathering that information typically through the nerves.
0: Yes, and so, uh, and there's a reason our feet have so much, all these nerve endings is because, like, historically, we've needed that yeah. um, to, to understand what's on our feet. We don't have eyes down there, so we need information getting sent up to our... Mm-hmm big old brain up here to let us know where we are in space and how to move and how to stay safe. Yeah. And so, um, so kind of like how keeping that in mind. And then also we had this idea of like, we really want the shoe to sort of be able to stretch out with your foot. Right. Like one of the, like your feet, display like your feet. And so one of the issues with a lot of barefoot shoes is they end up looking kind of clowny because they're, they're, they're building this really wide toe box and wide shoe that sort of flops around And so he said, well, why don't we try to find a way that the shoe actually moves with your foot and with the width of your foot as opposed to just like creating this really wide Mm -hmm. thing. And so um, and and ironically, like one of the one of the biggest like attacks on our brand is like, hey, your your toe box is like too narrow or it doesn't have the right shape. It's like, well, yeah, like we, we kind of did that intentionally because for so many people getting right into like the super wide looking shoe mm-hmm. is it's not it's too far out of the like mental comfort zone yeah of like oh i'm gonna look good in this mm. and so our workaround was like hey well let's make the shoe move with your foot and so in order to do that what we did is I looked at, like, what was happening in volleyball sleeves, um, like those pads on your knees. Yeah, that, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Those little hexagons, The little right? hexagons, yeah. And so we, like, actually just shrunk that down. I don't know if you can see it on the camera. Yeah, it, yeah. It goes...
1: I'll throw it up on the screen if they yeah, can. Yeah, 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 but the bottom of this, the insole, but also the outer sole, the bottom sole. I right. You can correct me if I use the wrong term, but it's got a bunch of those little hexagon shapes all throughout.
0: Right, and so... Yeah. And, it's, and because it's between two layers of spandex, it creates this really... Interesting underfoot experience um, that I, I I haven't experienced anywhere else. Most people I don't think have, and yeah. so that's one of the really like unique features is that it it the the sole really does move more with your foot, and we were actually able to also add a little bit more padding in there without reducing the amount of biofeedback your foot yeah. is getting from the ground. So oftentimes the more padded it is the further you are from that information, which is the ground. Yeah. And so the less, you know, the less stable you feel. But by doing this, we actually solved the other problem, which is a lot of barefoot shoes, people can't walk in them very long.
1: Yeah, I want to dig into that and maybe we can um, not rip on barefoot shoes, but there's this huge explosion, right, of people interested in barefoot shoes. And I think a lot of it is headed in the right direction, right? Like, we don't need these amazingly like ultra cushion shoes that are, they, they don't even really look like you're, like, they're accustomed to your foot and your anatomy. But to your point, a lot of the designs I feel like are somewhat lazy, right? There's these like wide toe boxes and with just a little bit of grip on the bottom, but there's not much to it, there's no structure. And, Okay, maybe for some people in the gym, I see it really popular with like deadlifts or squats. Like Maybe you don't need a lot of function when you're in a very fixed position doing a specific movement where you don't need a lot of flexibility and support. But again, when you're talking about trying to make this more custom to most people, trying to make it versatile to where it can work in the gym but also be like a daily driver, you do need some support, some comfort, especially if you're coming from years of wearing cushioned shoes to have no support. It's a big, drastic change.
0: Right. Most people aren't ready to make that change right away. People get hurt doing that. And so especially if you go from like, yeah, your big padded shoes to like literally nothing. Now, some people are barefoot a lot in their daily life and they don't have an issue with that transition because they've already been building up those muscles. But for the average person and even just like just going and walking on concrete, if you're like going to go, if you need to go walk a mile or two miles or whatever, on concrete you're you're or you're just standing around on a trade trade room floor or something all day. Like your feet are gonna get really fatigued. And actually even with our shoes, which have essentially double the 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 cushioning of most barefoot shoes, people still are like, hey my feet are getting tired. So we've got a solution for that we can talk about later. But um but it's it's like our goal again, like is just giving people an easy entry point to health and wellness. Yeah. And it doesn't, you don't have to go so extreme so fast. And a lot of people I've talked to are like, yeah, I tried barefoot shoes 10 years ago and then I I got a a fracture in my foot. (laughs) And so I haven't worn them since. And so it's really like correcting the narrative and creating options for people to, to take a step yeah. into foot health
1: and you want something universal because i mean who wants to have to switch shoes leaving the gym to actually go into their job or this or that like you want something universal and you know even it's not even like a fault of your shoe but the the material the ground the surface that you're staying on makes a huge difference i mean even if i wear my trail running shoes and i'm running on concrete it hurts my foot more than if i wear road running shoes that are made to you know withstand asphalt or concrete a lot more
0: yeah and I so you know sort of the project brief on this shoe we approached it from a couple different ways but the an initial conversation we had was like, what is the yoga pant for your feet? What's mm-hmm. the thing that you can wear to the gym, to the grocery store yeah. at home on a date, <laughs> the, the like yoga
1: pant for your feet. I like that. <laughs> y- yeah.
0: And like, yeah. ironically, now you have Lululemon making shoes and I don't think they're the yoga pant for your feet, but yeah. like they, they're, yeah. they're, they're, they look like decent shoes, but I don't think that they, that's, that doesn't seem to be their project brief. Yeah. Um, and so it, it had to be something really universal and, also perform. And so like I'll say of the shoe, it's our approach to it was let's make something that can hit everything with about 80% effectiveness. So like I lift in these shoes, I run in these shoes, I go, I do long hikes in these shoes. Yeah. Don't trail run in them because I have, I bruised my feet doing that. Yeah. Um, but it really is something that, that, that can span the gamut, and then now we're also obviously making products that, that get a little bit more granular, more specialty. On, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. So how do you, I guess this is a good point to go into balancing aesthetics and performance, right? So you obviously have the technology and innovation built into like the sole and so forth, but how do you go about okay, still making sure you know this is something people want to wear, right? It looks good, it looks clean, because it is a very minimalist looking shoe at the same time.
0: Yeah. So I don't know. I, there's a part of me that really thinks that, that aesthetic is in part performance because 10, people are yeah. showing up to life to, to look right to look and feel great. Yeah. Right. And so if you show up to the gym in a shoe that like, you're like this thing performs, but it looks ridiculous. Yeah um it's like the whole
1: like look good feel good you know and then perform good thing
0: right 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 and and so yeah like if you're an elite athlete doing an elite sport uh well actually like this still might be your gym shoe and it is for a lot of them but it's not going to be your game day shoe and we understand that that's not that's not our 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 goal Mm -hmm. our goal is providing stuff something that you can wear with your lifestyle wear to the gym perform in it um, you know, we kind of like you're holding the 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 high top. That was essentially geared around some some market feedback that we got. That you know, we, especially people that are in the CrossFit world, maybe have to bleep that out because I I don't think that we can say CrossFit. But let's say <laughs> why can't we say CrossFit now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, CrossFit, man! I'm not gonna get into they're it. A they're, funny they're very protective. Um, they are. <laughs> let's say <laughs> they are uh, the cross training <laughs> industry. Yeah. Um. So we found people that are, that are really into functional movement yeah. and, and and high intensity workouts. And more ankle support? So it actually wasn't even ankle support. Oh, okay. We already we already knew we wanted to do a high top and uh and and obviously as a brand with like limited resources, we said well what can how do we hit our market as best as possible? And yeah. so one of the one of the complaints on our on our original shoe for for people who were doing um, certain lifts or if they're they're pushing them in different ways, they wanted something that, that was a little bit more rugged. And so I said, like, OK, let's let's put some, you know, like hot melt overlays. Let's make it out of a rip stop. So it's really durable. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got the graphene version, which is has got this you know, really fun durability story in the in the soul. Um, and then obviously because it's high top it does lend itself more to the gym um heavy lifts you know power lifters have been using converse for years mm-hmm. as a um you know especially high tops yeah so we wanted to 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 kind of find that and actually we've been really really Happy to say that it's done really well. So I was going to say, this
1: almost seems like a more modern, updated uh, lifter shoe, right? Like, a lot of people do grab to those Vans and Converse, which, you know, they still are in, I guess, a cheaper price range. But, uh, one, these, I think, look aesthetically better than Chuck's. And then, two, you know, those... They don't last that long for the most part. People usually have to go through a couple rounds of them. And also, again, like whether it's the sole not not splaying the same way. You kind of you've added this innovation, but then also the upper I think just gets worn out. The laces get worn out. So this definitely seems like a more rugged, kind of updated, modern approach to a, a you know powerlifting shoe in a sense. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's definitely the the aim.
1: So one thing I want to touch on too is how you've innovated over time because you you talked about how you handled the customer service for a while and you were making a lot of those improvements how has this shoe changed from day one launch to like now what are some of those key changes you guys have made from you know first order of product first shipment coming in and uh how they're going out now
0: um yeah so uh, some things that that we've actually changed on the shoe you know that that are already in production is having just like things internally where where we filled things out a little bit to make the shoe a little bit more um well like changing out foam so that Mm -hmm. it lasts longer right like our our initial longevity initial foam that we used in there was like just it it would peter out really quick Mm -hmm. um so you know a couple other things have been just um well actually it's it's all been like kind of un, un under the the surface i mean like stitching colors on the inside mm. even um, and then i've been doing a lot of like just experimenting on what how to improve how to and and every time it's like you tweak one thing over here and then something <laughs> over here you end up losing functionality, yeah, and so it all connects um, and choice, yeah. there's 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 probably one or two more small changes that we'll make on mm-hmm. on the initial product, and then beyond that, it's going to be releasing new products that just are more specialized in other niches. Yeah. Because what we're really finding is, if we make many more changes to the existing product, it's going to lose some of its magic, and yeah. so. Um, but yeah, it's it's really about. Uh, kind of finding that balance
1: balance and fine-tuning yeah Yeah, yeah. another thing i want to touch on too and you know you can talk about the importance of it or at least how you guys view it is uh the production process with you know i I know a lot of the material right is sustainability it's recycled materials right
0: um So actually not on the high top we do have it on the we have it on the low top um and they're
1: produced in uh, south korea right uh
0: so yes well initially yes now we're doing some of that production in vietnam and then uh, we have some future products coming out of China as well. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's sustainability is one of those things that's near and dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. It's, it's difficult to do as a yeah. young brand. Um, and especially when you're trying to, to produce performance product, there's mm-hmm. just some things that don't exist, yeah. um, in certain products. And, and, and while recycling is a good story, it's not the whole story yeah. because it, even us just do using recycled materials. It does, it takes plastic bottles out of, out of circulation Mm -hmm. or sometimes, you know, I I don't know exactly that, that process, but it it could be taking plastic bottles out of circulation in the um, recycling process. And now it's in a shoe. Well, yeah, you can cut off the top of the shoe and probably go recycle it. But um, how many
1: people are going to do that? Right. Yeah.
0: Not a lot of people are going to do that. And, and so really, I think the future of sustainability is like, shoes that are biodegradable mm-hmm. that sort of thing. But to do that, you have it, the, the development is still so early yeah. on some of those materials. Um, and then also getting them to, to work with a brand, our size, like yeah. they want somebody who has a lot of resources already. And then those things trickle down to brands like ours. Um, but yes, I think that is something that well, something we're, we're, we're working on developing yeah. those relationships, um, so that we can, um, have the sustainability long term that that we think is vital to the f- continuation of our species on this planet yeah. right <laughs> so um, it is something that 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 is top of mind
1: okay yeah so let's dig into I guess oh no did you grab it from over here you right. took the running shoe? The running shoe, here you so go. So let's, t- I'll, yeah, you can toss it. You can toss it, I'll catch it. Uh, so let's dig into this guy. So it was literally a question, I told you, it was a question I had written down. I wanted to ask, you know, what was next for Flux, whether it was a new product or certain innovations or different variances. Uh, but, you know, you had it right right there in the open is the running shoe. So t- tell us a little bit. You said it's launching, is it in February? Or in March? Maybe March is the same. Uh,
0: no, it's it's February. It's okay. Next month, we're they're supposed to come in on February seventh, but I don't to be determined. You, to be determined. It's Keep an eye out. <laughs> but
1: uh, walk me through this running shoe. What was? Why did you guys create it? And how was this different? Because this looks more like a running shoe versus, uh, obviously the, the original wasn't made to be a running shoe. But uh, I'm wondering how you still kept it more minimal and how you still incorporated the innovation and like the like you said the little kind of proprioceptive hexagons in here yeah take it away
0: um sure so early on when we put it out to existing customers what they'd want next from us it was a running shoe that was the top of the list so um i we actually got a grant about a year and a half ago from the state of nebraska thank you nebraska uh (laughs) that that Uh, essentially paid my salary to, to, to go in and, and create this while, you know, obviously also working on other parts of the business. But, um, so the, 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 the vision here and the, the, the opening in the market that we saw was in the zero drop wide toe box running market. Yeah. There's not many. (laughs) There's not many. And, and of the ones that, that are there, none of them are a style that, that me or my team felt great about running in. Um, And again, like, so where that fits sort of in our ethos is 90% of people who are running right now are running in, you know, Brooks, Asics, Nike, Adidas, right. That, that are, that are, you know, they've got a raised heel and a narrow toe. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's, again, it's a, it's a big ask to say, go from that to running on a, You know zero cushion flat sandal or something right and so our our foray into that market of running is let's give you something that's one step better Mm. because if you go five steps better you might end up hurting yourself Mm -hmm. um and so that's that's where we see ourselves and then we also just saw the market of like like what has been taking off the past 10 years for nike and adidas is the athleisure market it's yeah when
1: well, this is look stylish and uh, you know i can tell and if you can't see in the in the video it's basically you know it's a single knit construction looks like on the upper which is you know stylish but also looks pretty comfortable and breathable especially if you are in a warmer climate and if you are running um keeping the foot cool uh and also something i noticed we could have touched on too with the other the original um product was this uh, foot shape right that you guys have it kind of has this like curve to it that i imagine is more natural to the actual human foot
0: yeah and so that's it's we we kind of took a different approach than than our our trainer where we said like let's actually build this out let's have the wider toe because that's something people have been asking for um and and especially when you're running it's not you don't need that that lateral support that sometimes a a slightly narrow toe box can offer that's a good point um and so we really see this as like your daily wear like on the go on the go shoe if you're yeah. if you're running you know like a couple miles a week like this is a just a great option if you're traveling right it's it's gonna be really comfortable for yeah. whatever you're going through it's definitely got more support than um than our trainer right mm-hmm. it's it's you in and, and as a result you can go a lot further with it Right, so like we've got people who who are on their feet all day, and and for some of those people, the the adapt is great for them, and it works perfectly. For some of them, they're like, I just need more support and more cushion. Um, so for the, those customers, this is a great option. Um, I personally love wearing them; I wear them everywhere. Um, easy to slip on, um, and just kind of for me are, are really great jogger style. You can
1: trust him. No bias,
0: no bias. No well, no I bias. mean, I designed it like this is, this was <laughs> when given <laughs> the opportunity maybe, to yeah. make a running shoe yeah. for me, this is what I would want to wear. So well,
1: and I, I think it, I think it shows too, that, you know, there's passion behind it. So like you truly stand by this and believe this and we're excited to design it versus, you know, I'm sure a lot of, uh, well, that's not fair to, to call out like major brands like Nike and act like their, their designers don't care, but there's not as much, uh, I guess, always going to be the passion behind, you know, you were in the brand and, and making sure it's your absolute best because you know there's going to be marketing behind it. You know, there's already been a fan base that's already in a pre-order it or whatever. It's just a different feel. And so it's good to know that you've actually, you know, you put it through the ringer yourself, you've experienced it and you wouldn't put out a product that you weren't proud of. Right.
0: Totally. Totally. Yeah. And that's the difference too, like between working in a big brand is you're unless you're the the you could be the product marketer but then you're just saying well here there's a market fit here and then you hand off the brief to the designer and the designer goes okay i'll design a shoe for that market and sometimes it's something that you're excited about because it you know fits in what you would wear personally but a lot of times it's like no just design to the brief design for the thing but this the approach on this is well design the shoe that we want to wear and um so uh, that's why it's 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 so much easier to stand behind the work that i'm doing here than i have ever in my design career because it's not just like i really feel good about this for this community it's mm-hmm. like no i feel good about this for me this is yeah. what i'm going to be wearing now again like i'm not a marathon runner if you're going to be running a marathon maybe get something that's built for a marathon but yeah. if you're running five miles and you're wearing this for your daily wear yeah. like. I don't think there's a better option out there. Yeah.
1: Well, there, uh, there's still people that are, uh, you know, and you can argue with me or not, not you personally, but people on the, the interwebs. But, yeah, you know, there's people in the barefoot community, that, that kind of cult following that will say that you could just, like, run, like, long distances in, like, barefoot shoes. I'm like, no. Like, that, especially when it comes maybe to, Maybe like, they can. Maybe they can. And that's fine, but, right? But when it comes to trail running and even, like, just long road running, like, you're – it is not for most people or for anyone, really. It just doesn't sound like –
0: Long yeah. distance, I, like, I actually, you, you mentioned today that you did a 50-miler yeah. back in October. My two friends who did, like, 30-milers back in October, they both got injured. Yeah. And they're both, like, made like runners. Yeah. They're runners. Yeah. So, and, and they're, you know, and maybe the problem is that they're wearing normal shoes. Maybe yeah. they should have been out there in, you know, the Terra Humera sandals, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a time and place for that. But I think you you really have to... You've got to work into these things. And if that's something that you really feel strongly about, go for it. Like if you're a runner and you're like, I really want to, you know, build up my feet to Mm -hmm. be running barefoot, find a way to do it. I'm all for it. Um, But if you're like, hey, I just I I don't quite have that amount of time. And I'm going to be honest with myself about that, that I don't have the the time dedication or like the the reward payoff to Mm -hmm. do all of that right now. Cool. Like find an option that's better for you though than yeah. what you're currently uh, you wearing. You know, at
1: the end of the day, it's like you're you're not marketing these as a uh, oh it can do it all and it's perfect and it's you know for every special scenario. You're saying like, okay, this is a daily driver. It can carry most people. Like you said, 80% of most areas, right? It can perform in most areas. And then for those people that do need you know, specific squat shoes or they need specific shoes for crossfit or they need specific shoes for ultra running, they can do that. But this is going to totally. be something, like you said, that can be kind of athleisure, a do-it-all, um, universal kind of application. So what is, what's next for Flux? We touched on the running shoe. I don't know if you have some, like, broader aspirations or thoughts coming up or, you know, colorways dropping. Like, what what, what are, I guess, future plans that you can kind of share or things you'd like to see in the brand?
0: Yeah. Um, so, I kind of mentioned, like, right now we're a bit in a growth phase. So, that's yeah. a lot of delegating um, and figuring out what that looks like. Um, we're going to be meeting with my dad, who's a business coach <laughs> yeah. very soon to, to ha- have him walk us through his framework to give us some, some really practical, help us get like really aligned on, on what the vision is. Yeah. Um, but, but off the top of my head, it's, um, it is the sort of biohacking cross training, uh, you know, either home gym or functional gym, uh, man or woman who are just looking to better themselves, like mm-hmm. any products we can make to, to help them in life. That's our, that's our, our goal. Um, and so uh, we do have a, a lot of new products sort of like in the works right now. And, and hopefully over the next year, two years we'll be launching a lot more. Um, yeah. Colorways um, collaborations. Mm-hmm. Um, we were, we're, talking with some of our influencers right now about like what we can do there um, and and obviously just extending our reach through um through social with yeah. influencers guys like Eric who you and I both know um who just have a really loyal following Which and have live like and
1: breathe it and use it and yes
0: yeah. yes yep yeah, that's it so
1: yeah well I think that's a good way to do it too especially as a startup is not just uh you know because You could have Dwayne The Rock Johnson write Show and Oh, I'm using it, but it's like when you actually have people using it on a daily basis and and actually, uh, you know, I think that is why the influencer market's growing a lot because people, when they do advertise through influencers and, you know, especially when it's people who actually use the product or stand behind whatever product or service it is, uh, I think it it draws more attention in in an authentic way, right? Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So, Trust is king. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Exactly. So where can people find uh you specifically and, and flux in general?
0: Uh flux, you can find us on our website, fluxfootwear dot com. Um or uh social is flux underscore footwear. Um and then me, I'm Zachary Jordan Fry on Instagram. Uh <laughs> it's, I, I'm <laughs> so bad at posting. So uh I I try to like I've been trying to do dumps every like yeah quarter just to like
1: keep the people I, informed i don't know i
0: don't know who it's for anymore i really it's for yeah. my own entertainment at this it's point good to look back on but it. but any posting any more than that is not uh, entertaining for me so <laughs> i don't blame you i don't
1: blame you. well thank you again for coming on today and it, it was it's really great to meet you you know hopefully if we, we connect in the future there's no uh tire issues and i appreciate it yeah it.
0: absolutely uh yeah. i think i think we'll be able to avoid it next time
1: yeah but anyway thank you guys for listening and uh or, or watching And uh, let me know if you like the two cameras set up. Honestly, this is a different go at it. And uh, share it if you found it interesting. And uh, let us know what you think. And we'll catch you guys on the next one.